If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Film Drifters. Our show provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. And I'm Myron, and joining me each week is, of course, Will. But not this week, apparently. Will is currently dealing with some technical issues back at home. So John Park from last week is uh, back with us today to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, together we will also be ranking our top five comic book movies of all time. Welcome back to the show. Hi. All right. This is That, that was my uh, interpretation of Will yeah. every time he <laughs> says. <Hi. laughs> uh, this is your audition, John. If you want to replace Will, then, <laughs> then, then you know, I think... Bite words. Yeah, I, I will be grading you at the end of the show oh, uh, on several bits of criteria. We'll this see, we'll this is not my idea, Will. <laughs> We're just kidding, Will. We, we love you, man. We'll, we'll have you back here next week or the yeah. next time we record. Can't wait. Because things are absolutely crazy these days. They don't tell you. <laughs> they don't tell you. No, nobody's prepared. Nobody is yeah. ready. And it's like, you know, when you say, oh, how's life with two kids? It's like, you don't know. You can't really say it because nope. they don't want to understand it. But right. the only way they understand it is if they themselves have two kids. Right. And then why talk about it? The last thing you want to talk about when you have two kids is life with two kids. Yep. You just look at each other, you nod, yep. and then you pour them a drink. Yes. That's what happens. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never know. It's always new. It's yep. always new. It's, it's you know, two different people. So it, to each parent, it's a different experience. So. Um, you can say all you want and give all the advice, but yeah. yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. No true words have ever been said. <laughs> this is one of the things you say when just like it's it's just really bad. And it's like <laughs> there's nothing you, to you're say. driving by a car accident and you're like, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Got to move on. Yeah. Still alive. But before we get to the Justice League, let's start with a rundown on the latest in entertainment news. All right. First things first, what I want to talk about is the Oscar nominations. They mm. were announced a little while back. Not a lot of surprises, I would say, but there are certain movies that are getting a lot more uh, credit and mention here than uh, there were before. Uh, and uh, one of those films is Mank, which got 10 nominations leading the pack. Mm. I was like, what? Because yeah. it was good. Political. Yeah. Have you had a chance to see Mank? Not all of it. Yeah. I didn't finish it. Yeah, it took me like three or four sittings oh, really? to get through it as well. And okay. I think I wouldn't have finished it if we didn't, if we weren't reviewing it. Mm. And it's one of those things, right? It's a technical masterpiece, but at the same time, I don't know how in, involved in the story I was. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to see it just because of the technicality, because the theater, you know, yeah. um, just visual-wise, I'm yeah. a visual person. So um, There were some other movies that got a lot of nominations, and there were some strong statements that were made as well. Uh, Minari got quite a few nominations here. Lee Isaac Chung was nominated for Best Director. Steven Yeun uh, was nominated as well. Got also Best Screenplay. Um, a lot of uh, nominations across the board here, but the thing that I found very interesting is, is this. Um, it got nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Critics' Choice Awards, as well as the Golden Globes. Here, it was a full-on, it was considered a full-on American production, it wasn't even considered for Best Foreign Language Film, whereas like last year, Parasite was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film and Best Picture, right? So this was like a strong, I would dare say, a political statement saying, no, this is an American production made in America. This is not a foreign language film. So it's, it's just it's yeah. completely different from Parasite. Like yeah. Parasite was made in Korea. Yeah, the whole full production. Yeah. So 
that was right. And this, again, Oscars, I feel like, did the right thing Absolutely. versus the Golden Globes, where yeah. this is an American-produced, made film. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So, yeah, there's nothing else, I think. Other things here that I was really happy about is uh, the film... Um the Sound of Metal got a lot of recognition here. Um, it got nominated for Best Picture, whereas at some of the other award shows so far, it did not. Riz Ahmed was pretty much getting nominated at every award show, which was expected, but I'm a huge fan of actually this uh, This nomination is uh, Paul Racy, or possibly it could be said Racky, who uh, was also in The Sound of Metal. He played the head of the uh, home that Riz Ahmed's character attends to try to get uh, accustomed to uh, life as, as a deaf person. He was just phenomenal, but he was being kind of ed- just edged out by Jared Leto at every single award show here. It was him that did the edging out. So it was really happy. I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, I still have yet to see it. Uh, definitely got to sit down and see it. Yeah. Um, I would say that that was pretty much it for the big surprises. Um, everything else was uh, pretty straightforward and standard. And I think uh, there are some clear winners here, um, you know, movies or uh, persons that uh, are, are going to kind of run away with it. One of those uh, categories I would definitely say is uh, for best original score. For the soundtrack to Soul, I think Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste is, uh, they're pretty much a lock to win that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't that music yeah. just amazing? I mean, it, it just kind of threw me off at sometimes because I, I expected it to be a musically charged film yeah. with uh, Jamie Foxx and obviously the main character is a musician. But yeah, you, the, there was elements where you're kind of like, oh, this is new yeah. or this is being added to it. Yeah. Not not as a distracting thing, but yeah. it comes into play as, you know, um, great scores are so sometimes have a character yeah, that they're yeah. there themselves. So yeah. um, I think that was amazing. What's so interesting was that the uh, score was so opposite of what the story of the film was because it was about like a jazz musician. So you would think the score would be just kind of filled with jazz music. It right. wasn't. It was almost like a like a techno-electric type vibe, yeah. which is kind of what these, yeah, what they're known for. Yeah. And that's what I thought made it so distinct. Yeah. And it was also like almost the perfect choice because when they're in a different world, you don't want the jazz music to carry over. You Absolutely. want that world to feel distinct Absolutely. on its own, right? And I think the music definitely did that. Yeah, it was one of the um, good parts too why it made it a really good film. Mm-hmm. Um, cat. Cat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it was definitely not one of Cat's favorite films. No. Just kidding. We love you, Cat. Yeah, so the Oscars will be held late April, and uh, we'll be planning something special for that, as we always do. Last year, we uh, actually polled a group of our listeners, and we kind of had our own award show where we all voted for uh, the winners uh, of the Academy Awards, and then we announced it uh, right before the award show was actually uh, actually aired. So we'll be doing that this year, a lot later than, of course, last year. Last year, it uh, aired in uh, late February. This year, it'll be uh, taking place in late April, so... Really looking forward to that. Other than the Oscars, there was this smallish show that just debuted on uh, Disney Plus that I wanted to uh, talk to you about. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier yes. premiered on Disney Plus on Friday. What are your thoughts? Did you like it? Did you not? What stuck out? What didn't stuck out? What worked? What didn't work? Uh, man, I mean, it's, they're just so good. Another example, just solid Marvel coming out the gate. Yeah. Literally that opening Falcon action scene. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was just like, it's nonstop. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's cinema quality. Yeah. What you would see in the theaters. It's unbelievable. And yeah. I think, you know, just the Falcon. I, I love that um, it just kind of transitions right out of Endgame. Mm-hmm. And all these, um, you know, Marvel TV shows will. But 
um, they're just doing it seamlessly, and and they're doing it with great character development. Yes, I think the, the writing is just awesome. These guys like really deeply going in. Um, I want I want to bring that up the, the character development also because right, as we were watching this right after watching Justice League, mm. and you can tell for me the dialogue is just superior with Marvel. Yeah, I I just feel like um, we'll get into more into that um, Justice League later, but yeah, they're just they're just polished. It's like they're robots and they're just pumping these things out. Yeah. It's like incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing for me that I thought would, I wasn't sure about the question mark for me was that, uh, you know, for the films you had feature film screenwriters, um, you know, writing for uh, these films, but then uh, for these shows so far at WandaVision as well as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they used different directors and different writers. They actually had like a writer's room. Uh, so they treated these episodes very much like a television show rather than a film. And my whole question was, how are they going to do that? Um, and here, I think for the first two um, you know, shows that they released, it's, it's very clear. Uh, they're going to make these shows like a television show, not like a mini movie each episode. Um, and in that, in that sense, I, it, was, it felt different. But then they bring, of course, the, the cinematic quality and all the spectacle and all the CG and all the money uh, that would go into a feature film. Yeah, it, it, but also like Marvel, I was thinking too, because I mean, back to back with, with Justice League and you see just full on, like amazing at that uh, a CG work and yeah. things like that. But with Winter Fal- um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you, you see that you almost, Marvel has like this formula, not just yeah. of films, but like the way they shoot it yeah. and the way things look. Yeah, It's almost like real life. Yeah. But there's a high level quality. I can't quite put it yeah. like it's it's not as like 300 and, and Zack Snyder-y. But it's also, I, w- I was thinking like, will Marvel ever get like really gritty? Yeah. Because they don't have a Batman, you know, yeah. they don't have to go really dark. Like, I mean, like, you know, like Noir and mm-hmm. just, just get messy with it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so you're kind of, we're already comparing DC to Marvel. And I think one of the big things is... Uh, Marvel from the get-go made their characters really flawed and made them interesting as real regular people. And I think we saw that heavily in this show, right? Yeah. Uh, we saw the Winter Soldier trying to make amends. And not to give any spoiler uh, spoilers with what happens in the first episode, but he's pretty much in therapy and uh, ridden with guilt over the things that he did. Yeah. And we see how he tries to kind of work that out. Like, there are action scenes in this show, but none of them really are dealing with a Winter Soldier. There's a flashback, but other than that, the entire episode is about him just dealing with his guilt. And you think that would be boring, but it's not. For me, it was the most interesting part of the show. Yeah. Now on to kind of what I didn't like so much. Of course, you know, the Falcon uh, had all the, the action scenes in, in this first episode. Wasn't a huge fan of the backstory. I love the idea that they're kind of tackling what life is like after they, you know, they call it the blip or the yeah. snap now, right? And, you know, I love how they kind of hinted at the fact that this world went on for five years and now all of a sudden all these people just showed up and pretty much the entire world had to adapt and adjust. And on a global scale, that was hard, but also on a very uh, personal scale, that was difficult as well. So basically the first episode deals with, um, you know, the Falcon, Sam, played by uh, Anthony Mackie. He is trying to help his sister get a loan to keep their family business from going under. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I don't know if that's what it was in the comic book, but I was like, okay, um, can we go back to the Winter Soldier, please? <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you like that storyline? Did it bother you at all? It, it, it didn't. I, I, I get what you're saying. There was parts of kind of 
heavy-handedness to try to explain mm-hmm. that yeah. life after the blip, but it, it it worked for me in the sense of just everybody deals with it differently. Yeah, and I think you know Falcon was Winter Soldier was dealing with it with the way he dealt with it. It's it seemed more like high end espionage comic book feel, mm-hmm. but it, because it kind of came down to yeah. you know the 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 bank and the the monetary struggles of everyday people it it kind of yeah. you you wonder it, it, actually what i actually didn't like was um i think um shout out to papa dot <laughs> but uh, he was anthony Mackey was a good was a good actor but mm-hmm. that part seemed a little like he's pushing yeah. a little more yeah. and i felt like the dialogue everything was just felt slightly off yeah even the 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 bank um yeah, the loans yeah, guy, yeah. officer. I, yeah, he felt a little too forced yeah. there. Yeah, yeah just small, minuscule. That, so flaws. these were the scenes where I felt that it felt very TV to me. Yeah, uh, and yes. it was actually a, a TV writer, Malcolm Spellman, who who was on uh, Empire, who I'm uh, a huge fan of. Yeah, um, but for me, yeah, it, it felt kind of TV-ish. Uh, to, right, to, to a certain where those extent. those scenes would yeah. be cut in yeah. a Falcon movie or or Probably. something, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I did applaud them for trying to tackle the idea of what life is like. Um, and how they're trying to really get at the fact that they are superheroes, yes, but they're also normal people. Right. Like the, his exchange with his sister, I think, was awesome yeah, about the boat good. and the family. Yeah. Um, emotional. But yeah, once they get to those nitty gritty scenes with the bank and yeah. things like that, yeah. Yeah, but I just can't get over that opening action scene. And I love uh, how they shot it. It felt like I was watching uh, The Falcon and the uh, not The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but Captain America and the yeah. Winter Soldier. Or Iron yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it just felt real, and of course they brought JSP back from uh, the uh, the Winter Soldier film, yes. which was really really GSP. cool to see. Yeah, Saint Pierre. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to see what what comes next. Uh, I, I watched this at like midnight with my wife, uh, and our uh, newborn was sleeping on her uh, on her chest. So uh, he was our third wheel, nice. and uh, we were enjoying a, a drink after a very very hard. Nice, nice. I, I I feel I I like <laughs> I like the difference like one with Wandavision and this. They know yeah. their characters, and even to for the degree what the art audience is for the each of their characters. Yeah. So they know with Falcon and Winter Soldier, they're gonna get that action packed yeah. yeah. kind of espionage yeah. series, but also because they're this this almost buddy comedy. Yeah. Thing that's going on. Um, I feel like it's going to be re- uh, working really well for them. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, if you're hearing, hearing a train right now, it's because we are recording in my garage just like last week. So you're going to hear the same stuff you heard last week, just saying. And you might hear some clinking of glasses here and there. Yes, so That's because uh, John and I are working on a bottle of uh, Glenlivet 15 to uh, liven up the conversation here. So, uh, yeah, here's the thing, though, about comparing Falcon and the Winter Soldier to WandaVision. I think that... When all is said and done, people are going to, you know, look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and be like, that was a great show. But it was everything people were expecting. I think with WandaVision, people were really, really turned off to it at first. And they were like, what am I watching? What am I watching? I really feel strongly that everyone, including myself, will look back on that and really be like, wow, they were really going for it. And it was actually a lot better than what I took it for. It's just it wasn't what I was expecting. And I yes. think people are going to give it its props later on down the line. Yeah, I, I think it's either that or it, I think there will be people who might still think it's kind of reaching. Yeah. Um, but also, like for me, it's it's I think it's it's just more of they went for it. 
it was a different concept, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I don't think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is gonna be like the typical run of the mill. I think they're gonna throw some curveballs. Yeah. At least that's what I'm hoping yeah. in this type of genre, yeah. and um, especially like what they're hinting at. Yeah. What I was actually focusing on was the empty uh, names from the the credit yeah. scenes. Yeah. Where usually the next actor comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like the background of what they're showing. So like, yeah, there's like little hints of what's to come, the bad guy, and yeah, yeah, who those characters are. I want to see some cameos. We didn't get any in WandaVision. Everyone was saying there was going to be a cameo. Did you hear like Paul Bettany was like, I'm really excited to work with this actor. Uh, I've never worked with him before. Mm. He said that in WandaVision, but he was joking. Everyone was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, it's going to be this guy. It's going to be this guy. He was joking. Because uh, he was working with himself uh, in finale, right? But I want to see something here. White vision. And a white vision. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we'll, we'll see some fun characters. Um, hopefully, I hope so. yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, that was a rundown. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of content? Drop us a line at contact us at thefilmdrifters.com. and please tell your friends about us. Our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. That's always a mouthful, isn't it? And now. Here is a trailer for not the Snyder Cut. They changed the name. It's now called Zack Schneider's The Justice League. Here it is. Schneider. Snyder. Schneider. Charging bull, and don't wave the red cape at it. You were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, find out what that reason is. said the age of heroes would never come again. back so Zack Snyder's The Justice League this is his definitive director's cut of the film if you all uh, remember the stories that uh, circled the first film 
if you uh, don't know what we're talking about, let me fill you guys in. Basically, uh, Zack Snyder suffered the tragic loss of uh, his daughter and took time off from uh, finishing up the film. Uh, Warner Brothers decided to step in. There were some heavy rewrites done. Joss Whedon, who uh, directed and uh, wrote the uh, first two Avengers films, stepped in to uh, rewrite the movie, changed the tone quite a bit, added a lot, and also cut out a lot. And so... Really, we never really got to see the director's, the original and director's intended cut. And so um, the first film was, I don't think I'm being overstepping bounds or being rude when I say it was uh, mediocre and a little tepid in terms of its uh, reception by fans and with critics. And um, I can definitely say that that has changed significantly. Um, and there's been a huge amount of uh, just goodwill towards this film. So the first thing I want to do is ask you, John, is this film better than the original and why? 100% better um, than the original. Obviously, the extended length makes it the scenes breathe and the character development happen a lot more. Um, But, I mean, almost I got rid of the Whedon Justice League. I got purged it from my mind. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't exist like once once they said this movie was coming out, okay, this will be their representation because obviously not just because it's like a separate movie. This was Snyder's movie, and somebody came in and redid it. So um, to me, to to Snyder's credit, like that's just you have to give him respect for that. Um, and I I think Whedon might be getting like too much of a negative. Black. Yeah, he's getting a ton for various stories yeah. and things. I, I don't think, I mean, there. because, um, I mean, I still give Kim Feige more credit for the Avengers first two um, uh-huh. succession, but he was, uh, you could tell the studio had a lot more yeah. say in how it was made. But I will say, though, that Whedon has a very distinct uh, way in which he writes dialogue. That was present in the Avengers films. Gotcha. But yeah. I just felt like that tone didn't work for the first Justice League, right? Yeah. It, it, but also, you could tell, like, especially now that Snyder's vision has come out, the grittiness of yeah. Snyder's vision and possibly the script, original script, and what Josh Whedon did to it, it was like polar opposite yeah. styles that you're trying to mismatch, and, yeah. and, and that was just yeah. a recipe for disaster. What... I what really stuck out to me in this film is that the first Justice League really felt like they were trying to be the Avengers and it didn't work. And uh, yeah, this film is dark. It's gritty. It's uh, very stark at times, but it is an unapologetically what it was originally meant to be. And they just go for it. And I like that, you know, they meant this to be a very serious piece in which like every character is examined and the pacing is, I wouldn't say slower and methodical, but it's definitely more drawn out and it worked. It just worked so much better. And I love that they just embraced what it was supposed to be. To yes, be. exactly. The, the, the character development, you can tell, like like you said, they're, they're stringing out, they're trying to be Avengers in, in terms of trying to make it cool. This team of heroes are trying to put together, but um, that slow, methodical character development, I think it worked. I, I would say... Um, the length was also its weakness, though, because yeah. I think if it was a tight 2.5, three-hour film, outside of The Dark Knight, greatest could have been the best DC yeah. film of all time. Up there, 
But that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a bold statement. I think it could top have been five. because, yeah, oh, yeah, top five for sure. Because the heights of the heights of this yeah. movie, um, I think, was just incredible to see. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I would say that there is a, a three-hour version of this movie that is not just great, but excellent. Yes. Maybe not masterpiece, but excellent. Yes. Right? Well, masterpiece in terms of you've never seen it before. Like, yeah. like the Man of Steel... Um, there were parts of that movie where the fighting scenes, as great and epic as the first uh, Reeves Superman was, to see it like that was my, just mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I was just like, oh my gosh, they're doing it. That fight with Zod, it was just, you know, you yeah. want to see like a live-action Dragon Ball scene like that. Yeah. It's just just incredible like yeah. um, the way they did it. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, some of the, the strengths that I want to examine in this film, the film really slowed down to examine the characters in a way that the first film didn't, that the original didn't. Um, the first film was literally, it was two hours long, but yet it felt like a chore. Like I felt out of breath because it's like they were trying to hurry up and get to the next action scene, right? And I would have to say that the action scenes from the first version to this one are for the most part intact even though they chopped down the final action scene quite a bit. But everything in between the action scenes here um, felt, made the action scenes that, that, that we saw originally that are still here feel more earned. Um, the stakes felt higher because we now know the characters more and what this scene means to each of them. Exactly. So in that way, everything was just better. And it really goes to show that great action scenes aren't just from the action you're seeing in the action scene but what has led up to that and what this particular scene means for the characters. Well, the, the action scenes were, I don't think, I think they were like dramatically different mm -hmm. because certain things, like you said, leading up to it, but also in between those action scenes, there were dramatic, purposefully diff placed different parts to those scenes um, that switched everything around. Mm -hmm. Like even the middle action scene... Uh, under with, like, the back crawler. Yes. Yeah. Um, just how they played with the different characters, yeah. the entry oh, points yeah. Yeah. and things like that. Um, how Aquaman just shows up. Even that, it just felt a little more grander yeah. um, and, and more uh, poignant to, yeah. to the story and how it moved yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Um, among the many additional scenes that I enjoyed quite a bit, the Barry Allen scenes were, for me, phenomenal. And they are beautiful. And it reminds me of what a visionary filmmaker Zack Snyder is. Um, I don't know what cameras they're using, if they're Phantom Flex cameras, <laughs> but uh, that first scene where he saves his love in the comics, Iris. Oh, yeah. Their name's Iris, right? I believe yeah. so. It was shot so well in that it's beautiful. And you, first off, it's just like a quick scene, uh, but you really, it accomplishes multiple things. You see that he is absolutely head over heels in love with this girl, even though he, he doesn't even know who she is. You see how ridiculously fast he is. And it is just utterly beautiful, right? And I'm not going to ruin what happens, but man. And then it's funny after. And then the scene plays out because that amazing action scene goes straight into a scene where uh, he's, he is in a visitation room with his father. And this is a story well-known in the comic books where his father is accused for the, uh, the murder of his mother. And he's trying to get his father freed. And uh, that's a side of Barry Allen we didn't see in the, in the original. We just saw the funny Barry Allen. And because of that, he came off like a two-dimensional character. But in this film, we saw that scene. And then right after, he has like a funny scene with Batman. And I felt like that completely changed the arc of who Barry Allen is. Because now it's almost as if the humor and the funniness 
It's hiding the pain that he has, the guilt, the, the, the burden that he has. And it completely changed how we see his character. Spot on, yeah. spot on. Yeah, like, uh, well, um, going back to that scene, it, you, we've seen speedy scene, speedster scenes yeah. with Quicksilver and yeah. things like that. And most of them, it's just we saw how fast they were, but also how funny they are yeah. and how cool the visuals are. But yeah. this one, I love that there was a layer of emotional depth. Um, how how he sets it up to get a plain job yeah. as a I don't know yeah. the dog walker or yeah. something. And how he busts out of his shoes in that first scene. Yeah, where he pivots. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and with the love interest and everything. Um, I, I think the the character development is great. I, I would say with Flash, um, that one thing I I didn't like was his humor. I I agree that he was hiding things, but the script I think kind of pushed. I think it was too heavy-handed in his comedy where they were trying to make him the comic relief of the movie. And a lot of times, um, again, they could have probably cut a few of his jokes. It's just I feel like Snyder didn't cut anything. All right. So uh, I know that we both love The Flash, but uh, there was actually a lot of other uh, scenes that really enhanced the backstories for each of our characters. Namely, I would say Aquaman as well as... um, Cyborg, I wanted to ask you, what were your thoughts on uh, those additional scenes? Uh, did it enhance the characters? Was it extra? Did we even need them? What do you think? Well, I think with Aquaman, there wasn't much of a more development with this uh, this film. I I just wanted, uh, mind you, this is this is pre Aquaman yeah, movie, movie, Aquaman becoming Aquaman. Yeah. So it was it was just kind of like a maybe that's why they didn't focus too much on him. I'm not quite sure, but, you know, they just made him, you know, this cold-shouldered person. Um, with Cyborg, I actually really liked uh, the things they did with him. The backstory, obviously, I feel like needed to be flushed out a little more to build that kind of momentum as building the team um, instead of a Avengers copy. Mm-hmm. So, and I liked how they did that to introduce the the epilogue or not, wait, is it the epilogue? Yeah. Um, or, or how, how kind of like the heart of the film, they would say, of um, bringing every, everything together mm-hmm. for the members. Um, and obviously how he plays an integral part um, at the final fight scene. So yeah. um, I'm glad they did, they did that. Some of the stuff might have been a little more forced than, say, the Flash's back, sure. backstory. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it just... I just like that they paid attention to more of the characters, especially Cyborg, who yeah. doesn't get, I don't think, Anything as much love as... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, uh, I think uh, they did a great job in letting us know what his motivations were. Um, in the first version of the film, he just did what he did because he was a member of the team. But now it was clearly evident why he was doing whatever he did. Uh, I like uh, that there are certain aspects of his relationship with his father that they uh, go a lot more into here than they did before. However, at the same time, even though there was enough there to give us more meat to kind of chew on with this character, I yeah, like you said, I felt like it was a little bit too extra because we've seen that type of thing before. The absentee father who coincidentally has access to a mother box and then over the guilt of his son uh, potentially dying, 
sits over uh, his him in the hospital and says, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you die. I'm like, mm. it's kind of on the nose there. I, I just mm. kind of wish that we, we saw his face, saw the intent and kind of just cut to the next scene. Yeah, I, I would yeah. defend the coincidentally have the mother box because of the, the star labs and the kind of the, yeah. the history of yeah. them digging it up from yeah. the history of men kind of thing. But yeah. yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm happy that we got more, but I feel like with Cyborg, we got a little too much more, right? Um, I also want to talk to you how we treated the villain or villains here compared to the first film. Honestly, I, I was, I think I had way too high of hopes. I didn't think that this was going to be, obviously, I, I wanted more. Like, I, want, I felt cheated for not seeing Superman fight Darkseid. I wanted to see more of Darkseid fighting the Justice League, and I forgot after after watching it and thinking about it. Oh, this was just the the first film. This is just with um, Stephen Wolf. So I, I think on in Stephen Wolf's part, man, he looked so much better. Yeah. Like visually, this shows Snyder's strengths. Um, I think we want to talk about is, is like uh, again as a visual director. We know his visual prowess is top tier, even with 300 and The Watchmen. Um, but uh, he had a blueprint in the graphic novels to go by for those, yeah. uh, even like frame by frame shots. Yeah. So, but but a credit to him for making it come to life. But yeah, I think um, visually this is just kind of like top tier in terms yeah. of the the villain. That that first scene, or or where he invades. The Amazonian, yeah, and they, they oh yeah, my god, yeah. um, that was that was an epic battle. Scene. Yeah, epic battle. And scene. it wasn't even there like at all. Yeah, before. none of the yeah. Justice League members were there. Yeah, but that just that scene was yeah. just incredible. And it really, uh, I think that was a total like girl power type scene too. Right, because those women were badass. Oh, badass. Um, I loved. Yeah, I definitely loved the improved look of Steppenwolf. I really felt that uh, once. Uh, Movie-going audiences saw Thanos and how he was an actual flesh-and-blood character with a real drive and motivation. I think literally DC had, like, egg on their faces, right? They're like, oh, yeah. shit. Like, yeah. They did that with Thanos. Why didn't we do that with uh, Steppenwolf, right? But he definitely had more of a motivation and more of a drive. I still think he looked slightly fake, but a hundred times better. I love the suit of armor, too, which was, I feel like uh, its own character in a sense. But let me ask you this. Darkseid is the biggest baddie in the DC universe. Do you yes. think they did him justice? Because I felt like they made him look a little weak in this movie. Well, I'll, I'll get to that. But one thing I want to address is, is Marvel has, in terms of Avengers villains, they have so many that and, and so many well-known, popular, and big. Um, with Justice League, I feel like you have Darkseid and then everybody else yeah. is like way, way below tier. Um, so... To, for them to not even go there for the first one, I get that they're trying to. They might have set it up, but if Snyder's not going to do another Dark Side, uh, another Justice League movie with Dark Side in it as a main villain, that's just that's just sad. And I hope to see it. But um, back to, to the the conversation about Dark Side, I I I think they made him look weak. Yeah, I I did cringe when. Um, what is got, it, Ares? Yeah, he got axed. Got axed by Ares? Yeah, and then Zeus. I mean, yeah. I get that, you know, they're gods too in, in, in a way, but Darkseid is just ridiculously powerful. And that was just a regular axe that kind of yeah. like like and, and, and granted, Darkseid had he was just shirtless. He had no armor on at all. Um, which is 
I don't know why he, they would do that. Because um, it's not like... And, and he looked smaller. I thought he would be taller too. He's supposed to be like gigantic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely... I love just seeing him. Especially like sitting and like when he comes in. Oh, I, I want to mention Desaad looked yeah. bad. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If, if um, the comic book... Uh, uh, enthusiasts know this guy is like badass in the way that they did him and even in his voice this kind of cringy um, high pitched uh, voice it, it was played really well with I think Stephen Wolf's also Stephen Wolf's backstory too like yeah. how why his his motivations and mm-hmm. how he failed and he's trying to make amends um, even that brought a little more depth to yeah. the bad guy villain of this movie so um, that, that was more flushed out as well yeah yeah I agree with you 100% I have to honestly say, though, that not all of the CG was as good as how Steppenwolf looked. There, there, there was a few elements in the uh, Amazon fight, the Muscarian fight, which looked really, really, really fake. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be like, ah, oh, that sucked. But it looked really fake. You know, but at the same time, I give them full props because this was basically a fight scene that didn't exist I don't know how much of their $70 million budget for the Snyder Cut was put into that scene. It was an amazing scene with just a few moments where it looked really fake. Did it take you out of the movie at all? It didn't at all, actually. Yeah. I okay. mean, I, I understood it when, uh, you know, fellow VisFX artists mentioned it. But yeah, there wasn't any part of the movie where I was like, ooh, that looked terrible. Um, Actually, the only part was really when Wonder Woman was fighting Steppenwolf and she like hurtled over um, him, and you see her face kind of like warp a little bit. That was the only scene where I was like, kind of like, okay, that was really CGI. But but um, I mean, other than that, like I, I want to uh, call attention to the cinematography because I think like the wide shots he used, especially in the Wonder Woman scene in the beginning. Um, the hostage scene where the low shots to showcase the architecture of the building of the um, where the gunman was mm-hmm. just walking around yeah. even those details just like how he uses yeah. it, the, and, and is aware, aware of the the setting yeah. I think it was just yeah. you could tell this guy is a visual genius by the way that action scene is better than any action scene in Wonder Woman 2 by far by far I mean I, I want to not talk about Wonder Woman 1984 because yeah. I thought it was terrible yeah all right, so uh, moving on to a few of the other things I wanted to talk about. Overall, I thought this movie was absolutely gorgeous, even on like a 4K television screen. I wanted to ask you about the, the framing. A lot has been said, has been talked about it. It's basically a 4x3 framing because it's kind of more uh, fitting of what the director initially intended because he wanted this to be seen uh, on an IMAX screen. Well, if you're in an IMAX theater, the screen is literally towering above you. It's square, but it's huge. On the TV screen... Uh, not so much. I think you have a 75-inch screen, so do I. But you get gigantic black bars on the left and right. Did it bother you? Did it take you out of the movie at all? At, it took me out of the movie a little bit mm-hmm. at certain spots, but not uh, through as much as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue isn't with kind of enjoying the film with the way it's presented in a TV, in a home setting, but... My issue is in the beginning when they when they had that disclaimer of this is the director's creative vision. Yeah. Using those words and then putting a four by three, which isn't really four by three IMAX, isn't. Yeah. And because if you shoot it in, if he creatively shot this in IMAX for people to see it in IMAX, then 
to put it in a four by three for a home screen isn't his creative vision. His creative vision is for you to go through the theaters and IMAX theater and yeah. see it. Yeah. That's the full experience, true experience of his creative vision. So, um, yeah, to say that, that the TV experience is his creative vision, I think it was, it was kind of misleading. Um, but the, uh, the, the viewing in itself, I actually watched it again, zoomed in where it filled up the screen, yeah. not as stretching, but actually zoomed in. Um, and it didn't take away from okay. the experience. Um, granted, it was my second time watching it, but yeah, it, it, it seemed fine. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the certain shots, maybe you see more of the sky and kind of visually it, it was more um, effective. But when you're talking about like certain scenes, action scenes and things like that, where it all happens in front of you, you want to be engulfed. Mm-hmm. You want to be immersed in the um, in the scene, whether it be just a dialogue scene, mm-hmm. where you're seeing expressions of the face, or just a full on Batmobile just taking out bugs, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it, 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 I would say it didn't take me out of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, I want to kind of uh, close things out relatively soon, but just wanted to talk about a few things what that I liked and also that I didn't like, and then maybe turn it over to you for maybe a, a further discussion on things that you wanted to talk about. But first off. Uh, some of the things that I like. This is a movie that is two hours longer than the original cut. And yet, there were things that were cut in the Whedon version that I am like, praise the Lord. Thank God that they got rid of that. Two scenes. Uh, one is, uh, there's a particular scene uh, right before uh, they go into the big final fight where uh, uh, Bruce Wayne and uh, Wonder Woman, they're kind of sitting and Bruce Wayne is basically nursing his wounds and he has his mask off and they're having like a conversation, which I'm like, why am I seeing this? This is stupid. I think it has to do with how uh, she's a (laughs) goddess and he's just a normal human being kind of fighting (laughs) and there's like a mutual respect for one another uh, in this because uh, they kind of were at at odds with each other earlier on. So glad they cut that. Um, (laughs) The other thing is uh, there was like a... What I'm assuming uh, they did is uh, there is a family that's put in peril because of this base that uh, um, Steppenwolf is creating uh, near a nuclear power plant. And there is like a a European family that's stuck in there that we're seeing how (laughs) everything is happening to them and how they're in danger. Uh, I I, I guess it's supposed to show how this big event is affecting normal people. But I'm just like, why am I seeing this? Thank God they're gone in this cut. <laughs> they, yeah. they took out the Speed Force, yeah. so they had to give Flash something to do. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how, how could they cut out that scene? That was so epic. It was epic. All right. Spoiler alert! At the end of the scene, <laughs> the Justice League they fail. What does Flash do? He runs fast, turns back time, which yes. for me is a callback to the original Superman movie, yes. where he uh, flies around the Earth and, and causes time yes. to go back. Yes. And uh, yeah, just that scene. And how just what's going on with him and what it means to him. How he's talking kind of, you know, we hear what's going on in his head. He's talking to his dad. That was just freaking incredible. I'm like, how did you cut this scene? Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. You finally, it's like you see Flash finally, like full yeah. form. Yeah. Full powered yeah. Flash yeah. Just, just, just kicking everyone's butt in terms of, yeah, just owning it and saving everyone's life yeah. pretty much. If anything, they... They, I, I feel like they uh, trivialized how fast he was in yeah. the first cut because they showed that Superman is just as fast in that version. Yeah. Remember there was like a scene where they're like keeping up with each other neck and neck? Yeah, right? and even like they do the, the post credit scene where they're trying to race. It's like, yeah. I mean, we get that, you know, like yeah. people who don't read comics or aren't yeah. into too much, like don't really understand yeah. uh, how yeah. fast 
flashes. Yeah. I mean, we know they had the race and it was closed in the comics. Right. But for the sake of the movie, let Flash be Flash and let him have this. Yes. Because the other guys don't have it. Yes. You know? That's that's a strength. Everybody knows, um, you know, like everybody has this mystique knows that when Superman gets involved, oh, the bad guy's in trouble. Yeah. It, it's over. But they don't know, like, Flash is the only guy can that can do this. Yeah. yeah. And 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 when all else else fails, here yeah. he comes. And, Not yeah. only that, but this is also setting up like the whole element of time travel and alternate realities and stuff, which we're exactly. gonna see in the Flash movie. Exactly. So, I, I, I hopefully, hopefully that still leads into the this DC universe that they're they're. Hopefully that it continues yeah, because well, if, if Snyder's not involved, at least well, I just Ben Affleck uh, yeah. and Michael Keaton are both signed on. Right. Flash. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. I hope the script is good. Um, I, I mean, a couple things like that was the Speed Force was amazing. I want to I want to talk about the music too, because I have I heard mixed reactions of the music. Um, Junkie XL is, is 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 an amazing producer, and I think he does individually the the tracks of the themes so well. But it was so redundant. Like every time that piano Superman thing comes on, oh, there, there's Superman or Lewis. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> you, you just, it's almost like you're, you're putting stop and then start yeah. on whenever like these people come on. And then the Wonder Woman theme is just like on so, like steroids, yeah. like all it's the so time. It's all like the time. Face, I mean, yeah. it's great, but dun, dun, yeah, dun, 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 dun. It, it's just, it's just, it's, yeah, again, it's like a pause, start again or yeah. stop start repeat from the beginning yeah. you know for each scene and it, it's there's no like fluidity through yeah. f- through the the film the one thing that i did like from the first version is uh if you listen closely there are hints of the original danny elfman soundtrack in the that there is that in the first uh justice league they, they got rid of it maybe because they thought it was like too campy or a callback to other films oh that's interesting yeah you don't remember hearing that in the first film not not exactly. Maybe like subconsciously, yeah. I wanted to hear it, yeah. and then <laughs> yeah, no, it was there in, in the in the movie. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was. But then they got rid of it. And yeah, that could make me look it, sad. But you know. yeah, I mean, this. I, I, I want to talk about music, but this can turn into like yeah, just the rabbit hole of all the other super um, <laughs> comic book movies music. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The one thing I didn't like also. The one thing that. Zack Snyder's uh, Superman movies didn't know how to do is they really didn't know how to treat Lois Lane or Martha Kent. You have these amazing actresses, and I feel like they're just kind of floundering around. I don't know if that's too strong of a negative mm. statement, but uh, there could have been a lot more done. I, I agree and disagree. I think I think they're making it obviously um, a focal point, like a, a true, like uh, you get rid of them obviously, and, and it shows that that he's he's gonna lose it. Um, he being Superman, and I mean the the mother, like the family justice with, with the justice they, I think they did justice with, <laughs> pun intended, with um, Clark's parents with the attachment they have to mm-hmm. him. I think he definitely sees them as his parents, mm-hmm. as just as much, um, yeah, as his parents, uh, biological parents. So I, I I don't know. Like I think they could dive more deeper into it, but you know that I've feel like the relationship they have is is there yeah and and it's the focus yeah um because he just always comes back to them and thank god for batman yeah. um to to buy the bank yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um let me ask you this now that we're talking a little bit about superman superman in the black suit what do you think yes uh 
I I want to say that when that dialogue that the the monologue of um his father yeah, Russell Crowe uh, Crow and um, Kim Cosner uh, was going on. I, I felt like that was a little heavy handed. Really? It was just it was like a, just trying to call back to all the great yeah. things that I mean in in Snyder's um, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, but. And then he goes to the black suit, and you don't you don't really see an explanation for it other than that it came. It was the last thing he saw, and he was like, "Okay, I'll pick that yeah. guy." That's that's the thing for me though. I felt like those things. It was slightly heavy handed, but I loved it because up till that moment, we really didn't get to see Superman. I mean, we saw him in that huge fight where he just beats up the Justice League, but there it's like, okay, he's he's remembering who he was, and so we were kind of in his head. As he's recalling the things that made him who he is, he's thinking about his fathers. And uh, in the comic books, if I remember correctly, the black suit wasn't tied to what his parents wore on the planet Krypton. It was tied to the fact that he was like, you know, like in a in the grave, right? It's black. And then I remember seeing so much fan art about Superman in the black suit. He's like old and kind of like grizzled and has a beard. But it's like, you don't grow a beard when you're dead, right? But <laughs> well, I, they, I, heard... I like how they explain the black suit here because that's what they wore on Krypton. So he's remembering yes. uh, Jor-El. Yes. And he, he puts on the black suit because he's saying, this is who I am now. I remember who I am. This is my identity um, as a Kryptonian. Well, I didn't I didn't get that. I like okay. where you're going with yeah. that. And I didn't get that from that I scene. I could be reading too much into it, though. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a great way to look at it, I yeah. think, reading into it. Um, and it's what, like when General Zod, um, when they're in the courtroom, that's where he wore it. It was a simplistic black suit. Yeah. I, I just felt like... Even that scene of him coming back in realization could have taken a little more longer. Yeah. I know that the fight was happening in the background, but it's like, yeah, I just wanted a little more where he comes back into the black suit, yeah. like, like explaining a little more, not just voiceovers of him looking through his closet and then, oh, this is it. <laughs> I'm feeling this Yeah, today. exactly. <laughs> What's the weather? Uh, but yeah, I mean, him in it, oh, yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. All right, um, let's see. Anything else that you want to talk about? I mean, I think the only thing really is, that I, I don't think it's, it's a hot take maybe, is I didn't like Batman. Really? Yeah, I think, I think the script um, made me not like him. Um, he felt like the Justice League's cheerleader. And, and, and all this of his ta- dialogue, especially I think his dialogue with Jeremy Irons is Alfred. Um, because I feel like they lost an opportunity to have this back and forth with him because usually that's all it is. Like, yeah. you know, you wanted the bail Kane back and forth kind of. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, I would, because Kane Alfred, I think is one of the most underrated characters in yeah. that trilogy. Um, so yeah, it, it, Jeremy Irons, uh, one of all time greats. Um, yeah. I felt, just felt like they lost an opportunity to have a great script written from Bruce Wayne's dialogue with him. Interesting. Because okay. it, and also like like where was the Batman's grit and darkness from Batman vs Superman? Yeah. You know, because well, we know that the Joker, you know, has you know the with Robin and everything, yeah. the, the 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 bitterness that he develops. Yeah. It's it's like he was just happy go lucky this whole film. Yeah. Almost. Oh, I, I think they were saying that um he was dark and he forgot who he was in Batman vs Superman, but Superman um reminded him of what he was fighting for and who he was. And so that's why in this, he is kind of like the assembler. He's like the, the GM, I guess you could say. Yeah, but you know, like there's like campy GMs and then there's Batman GM, yeah. you know, and I wanted to see like 
Batman GM. So like, was he? I like how your voice changed. Yeah. Batman GM. <laughs> that was our discussion into the Justice League. I think we uh, discussed everything that we wanted to talk about. So now let's go ahead and give it a score. I wanted to ask you first. Uh, I think it'd be fun to not only give it a score now, but compare it to the score that you gave the original Justice League. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I never gave it a, the original Justice League a score because well, it, yeah. it was just really bad. And uh, I think meeting expectations, it just fell on so many levels. I'll give it a one. Really? Barely. Okay. Not even like like the CG wise because it wasn't the greatest thing either. It's just so much expectations. Like imagine watching an Avengers film. Or even now going into an Avengers Endgame. That's how big this was. Because you, you didn't really see any flushed out characters of the Justice League members. But they get, they're going into a Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, okay. Um, what are we going to get? And even then still, it was just so far from what the expectation was. At least mine. Because you know I just love the comic book genre. And uh, it just fell flat on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I think one is generous, honestly. I think it's just a wow. terrible movie. Okay. All right. Now, what do you give this cut, the Snyder cut? I want to give it a higher rating, honestly, um, because I think it's, like I said, our cut short, mm-hmm. our shorter, uh, one of the best DC movies of all time. So, I, I mean, I know I respect your five star ratings yeah. <laughs> like so much. It's like a four is a bit yeah. like it's really, really, yeah. really good. So I think three and a half is, yeah. is kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I give it the same. I give it a three and a half. I give the original a two star. I did have fun, but like I said, it just felt like a race to get to. Uh, it was like a connect the dots exercise in which you're just trying to get to the next action scene and set up the potential for uh, future sequels here. It really took care to set up the characters. And like I said before, it in doing so elevated all of the material, including what was happening in the action scenes. Um, and then like three and three hours later in the final big action sequence, everything just kind of developed and came came together. And then, you know, Cyborg, his role in the end scene had so much more weight. And then of course the flash. I got the I got the chills when I was watching the, yeah. the Flash's uh, you know, increased role in the final action sequence. Goosebumps. So, speed yeah. bumps. Speed bumps. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually uh, have to agree with you in that uh, I wanted to give it a four and, and if they were able to just cut some uh, scenes out, I think I would have given it that. But uh, since it's still four hours long and there is some excess fat on the on the film. Miniseries, I don't know what you would call it, but uh, <laughs> uh, I give it a three and a half, which is still a highly favorable rating um, according to our grading scale. So Could have yeah. been a four and a half. Yeah, we'll Could've. give it a four. I will say that. He's not here to say why, but Will did give it a four, so he definitely enjoyed it as well. So that was our in-depth review of Zack Snyder's The Justice League. We will take a short break and come back with a look at our top five comic book movies of all time. Stay tuned. <laughs> What did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real. What is she? 
beneath the stain She's like you of time very much like you the feelings disappear she needs our help you are someone to come along someone has come along I am still right here and you could have it all We are back, and uh, John and I are going to do something very, 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 very difficult, and that is uh, narrow down our favorite comic book movies to a list of top five comic book movies of all time. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Super hard. This is really, really hard. So um, the only way I was able to do this is uh, I had to come up with a criteria because otherwise I could end up with just... I can go down a rabbit hole of like just Marvel movies or just DC movies or just you know whatever movies, but... I had to basically say, like, okay, how am I rating these movies? And for me, I rated it not only on the quality of the film, but what it meant for the entire genre as a whole. So uh, I'm going to go into each of these movies and say why I rated it, uh, why I did, what I did. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. I have no idea what is on your list. <laughs> so uh, let's just go back and forth. We'll ping pong it. We'll okay. go five and all the way up to our number one. Wait, are we doing honorable mentions? Yes, let's just Now do or it. later. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot. Okay, um... Ooh, okay. Iron Man 1. I did not expect it to be that good when it came out. And I think it was a blueprint for Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another one is Doctor Strange. I think one of the more underrated yeah. movies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my wife loved it. Like, absolutely, one of her favorites. It would can, can we say that Captain Marvel is the most overrated movie of the MCU? <laughs> overrated? I think people hate it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, well, I'm on the camp of don't recast because, I mean, you don't need to go there. I think, yeah. I, because also Captain Marvel isn't like, a you huge, know. Yeah, it's even not. Even though she's a, potentially the most powerful character, right? Potentially, yes. Um, I think she does a capable job. I think they just need a better movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Guardians of the Galaxy oh, Volume yeah. 1. Mm-hmm. I haven't laughed that much in a, yeah. in a theater in a long time. Yeah. It changed the the genre to, to show that you can make like a slapstick comedy, yeah, comic book movie. Yeah, and um, uh, I forget his last name, Chris Pratt. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's such a genius in that. Uh, wait, last one is this. This is so hard. Uh, five and six. Well, I, I'll go into it um, when we go into a top five. But yeah, okay, cool. My honorable mention. So technically, every movie you listed. I wish I could I could have put it on mine, but like I said, I have a a, a criteria, and it has to do with the, it has to do with what it meant to the genre. So uh, first off, Batman Begins. Uh, I always thought there's no way you can actually tell the origin story of Batman because it just wouldn't make sense and wouldn't be believable. Yes, they did it, and I'm just like, okay, you you did what I thought was un- undoable, and that is uh, you actually gave a full-on proper backstory to one of the most iconic characters in pop culture history. So there was Nolan. that. Nolan. I think it could have been darker. Ooh, okay. 
um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So we talked a little bit about this when we talked about um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but this had a different feel from everything that came before in that it felt like a spy movie, an espionage movie. It wasn't so polished. There wasn't a ton of CG, at least until later. But the first few scenes were very much anchored in reality, and it made um, Captain America not feel so much like a super soldier but a super spy. And uh, in doing so, it changed the way that we saw that character and also, I think, saw Marvel movies as a whole. And that's exactly why I think the directors of The Winter Soldier, the Russo brothers, went on to direct every other uh, Infinity War movie after, or Avengers movie after that. So yes. there's that. Agreed. Yep. And uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, I will say, uh, out of the non-spinoff movies, this was, for me, the best X-Men film with an absolute murderer's row of Academy Award nominees and winners in the cast. Ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And some amazing scenes. Say what you will about Brian Singer as a person. Um, he has these moments of directorial genius and how he shoots it and how he frames it. Um, and uh, what I'm talking about very specifically is uh, there's a scene in there in which uh, old Professor X talks to young Professor X. And... Uh, that was just genius. How they shot it, the words that were said, it, everything came together just so perfectly in that scene. Yeah, you know how I feel about the X-Men films. Yeah. I mean, this this is a saving grace in terms of just Michael Fassbender as Magneto. Yeah. Finally, Magneto, badass, what we expected and wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't go more on X-Men because that just, will just make me depressed. Yeah. My last honorable mention, I would say is a 5.5. I really wanted to put this on my list, and that is The Crow. Namely because this is a movie based on a comic that uh, had an anti-hero that wasn't really well-known. It wasn't a Superman, a Batman, a Spider-Man. It was a uh, basically a graphic novel about a guy that comes back from the dead to uh, avenge the, the murder of his wife. This is an odd film. I mean, Brandon Lee was in it, and he was incredible. The subject material material is just really, really dark, but Brandon Lee has a certain positive uh, charisma that almost borders on naivete where you just like him and love him and his character is so dark, but he brought a boyish charm to it that you would think didn't work or wouldn't work, but it worked perfectly. And he had these moments of levity in it and just... You know, just the fact that that charisma was lost in the making of that movie. Um, there's an en energy to this movie that was there when we watched The Dark Knight. Because we know when we're watching Heath Ledger that we're watching the last performance of, of an acting great. And uh, um, I wouldn't, I, I don't, not to be disrespectful, I wouldn't have called Brandon Lee an acting great yet. But I think he was well on his way. But he definitely had so much charisma. And every time he's on the scene, basically... I mean, his character is someone that came back from the dead to avenge his wife. And the fact that he died during the filming of the movie just had this really strange sense of irony that just was like a cloud over the entire film. But I think it made it better. I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah. That, that was just, it, it was such a, I think that was one of the first times that that happened, which is crazy because with um, with Bruce Lee, yeah, that connection, yeah. And how he passed, his yeah. passing. That uh, was just even in every scene too. You're thinking about Bruce Lee. You're thinking about Brandon Lee. You're thinking about, yeah. holy, holy cow, these guys died. It's so eerie. Um, I mean, Bruce Lee, one of the icons, like Mount Rushmore for me in terms of um, Asian heroes yeah. in my book. And man, that was just an incredible yeah. film. 
incredible performance, yeah. Yeah, Brandon Lee had his father's charisma. Absolutely. Yeah. There's just no uh, doubt, of, yeah. no doubting it. And it was perfect film for him, I think, to start off because yeah. you see the stoic, yeah. not so um, wordy performance. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. All right. Uh, now on to the actual list. What is your number five, John? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to cheat yeah. and go five and six here. Right, I'm gonna go too. You may. Uh, because this is just too close to call. Like I was okay, I was going back and forth. I'm gonna say this right now. Okay, so honorable honorable mention is going to be Spider-Man 2. This is pre-Marvel yeah. universe. Yeah. And although Spider-Man 1 was good, this kicked off, I think, for me in a nuclear blast way, kicked off yeah. the comic book blockbuster films. Two was so good. I think they perfected on one and, and just the villains. It's just a blueprint. Yeah. I feel like as much as Iron Man was for the Marvel Universe, just everything you want from a comic book superhero and this era, literally with DC, Marvel, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it was just amazing. And then number five, V for Vendetta. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's a personal I'll, favorite. I'll take it. I love the dark and historic content. Yeah. Um, granted, it's true but like just how you know i love history films um period pieces and how it connected great acting i mean you got natalie portman you got hugo weaving yeah. hugo weaving as v i just you yeah. never see his face but his voice that iconic yeah. mr anderson yeah. Yeah. but but he it, i mean it, i didn't see mr anderson i saw this guy uh, just hell-bent on revenge yeah. and the revenge theme i don't know every time i see it on tv or I just I just stop what I'm doing and just watch, yeah. you know. It's just it's just a brilliant like, to me it was just I always want to go back to it. And, and you know that movie had a huge impact because like even now uh, I remember in late uh, 2020, or maybe not late, but Ooh, uh, yes, there was uh, during the midst of the riots and just like yes. the, whole world, the whole world was going to shit. Uh, we <laughs> saw these hackers that showed up wearing that dan- that that same yes. mask. Yes, right. Yeah, uh, it's just like it. it had anonymous. Yeah. It was anonymous. anonymous yeah. I forget which character is it Faulkner or I forget which character that that mask is of, but uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. V. <laughs> v. There we go. It's V. Yeah. All right. Great choices. All um, right, Myron, you're number five. I went with Logan, um, and uh, I will tell you why it's a great film and also why it um, kind of pushed the genre forward. This is a rated R, ultra violent comic book movie, and that's what Logan. A Logan movie, a Wolverine movie, should have been all along. This is a freaking guy with knives in his hands, and that's how he kills people. And somehow they succeeded in making every movie up until this point uh, PG-13, when this guy literally just guts people, right? Uh, But here it's like, okay, uh, they take this character that we know and love, uh, and they they basically reduce him to like a pile of just... I don't know, what, what do you even call it? A pile of shit? I don't know. <laughs> he's dying. He's drinking. His claws don't work. He's driving a limo. Wolverine. Right? And they, they, they make it a really human story. And, you know, they talk to, to the, the writers and the director. And they're talking about, we've never seen a Western comic book movie. So this movie is a rated R Western that has its main character. This main character is a pop culture phenomenon, Right? And uh, they say goodbye to Wolverine in a very fitting and amazing fashion. And they play with it, right? Because uh, his main villain is the younger version of himself, right? Incredible. This movie got a nomination, Best uh, uh, Adapted Screenplay at the Academy Awards. Very well earned. Love this movie. Still love it. I love the trailer with uh, Johnny Cash's cover of the Nine Inch Nails song. yes. Hurt. Amazing. Oh, 
Yeah. One of the best trailers of all time to me. So the reason why it's on my list is not only, not only is it a great movie, but it brought back the idea that uh, a comic book movie could be rated R, which, by the way, Justice League was. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, which I, I was surprised because I was watching it and I was like, this is rated R? Yeah. So. It's kind of like re- rated PG-13.5 if you think about it. Yeah. 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 And then it obviously um, Logan influenced Deadpool. Yeah. Absolutely. There would have been no Deadpool without a Logan. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why they play off that in the marketing of yeah. like Deadpool having a thing against Wolverine. And by the way, I have to say I love the poster of Logan because all it is is a close-up of his face where he just looks like scarred and jacked up in veins and dying and his so, claws look like all rusted. Yeah. It's just so good. And I, I'll segue right away into okay. number four because right, that's right. my number four, Logan. Okay. Nice. Wolverine is my childhood favorite. Wait, by the um, way, before you go into it, I yeah. have to tell you, all I've ever heard from you is how much you hate X-Men movies. So the fact that this is number four on your list and it's yes. an X-Men movie, maybe no. do, do you not consider it an X-Men it's movie? It's not. Okay. It is not. Okay. I mean, just as much as I de- de- detach um, movies like Days of Future Past from the X-Men, yeah. um, as much as you know, it has those characters in it, uh, my disdain comes from the first three uh, X-Men movies. Even X-2? X-2 was great. Yeah. It's... I have so many high hopes for X-Men. I mean, it was okay, decent as a film. Yeah, it's just... it. Yeah, X-Men... I don't know. Okay. I don't want to go down this black hole of, of hating on Singer yeah, and yeah, all yeah. this we're, stuff. We're, we're not going <laughs> to do, like, do that here. We're not going to yeah. do that. Um, Marvel needs to t- uh, just take uh, a stranglehold on X-Men and just create a badass version universe into it. Um, I, and I hope that they go the dark route here because... Um, yeah, like I was saying, Wolverine, childhood favorite. Um, I collected Marvel cards as a kid. Oh, me too. Yeah, and like the first edition, I had a cardboard box yeah. with all of them, and it was just, I just like brushed it with my fingers, like like I was I was nerdy with it. And Wolverine hologram card, yeah. first series. Oh, that was like my favorite By the thing. Way, Jim Lee is a hero in oh. this household, and I'm sure he is in yours. Yes, again, um, I mentioned Bruce Lee in my Mount Rushmore heroes, Asian heroes. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah the greatest comic book artist of all time absolutely um yeah i agree with you rated r uh script was amazing um i think it's one of those movies where like i wasn't watching a comic book movie i was watching a just a great film mm-hmm. a dark and gritty film um it was set in the future which was kind of surreal because it was yeah. old but it was future yeah. yeah just look at the cars yeah and stuff. yeah yeah it was interesting um and i didn't think they could close uh wolverine's chapter on on hugh jackman at least as good as it did i was kind of shocked and i didn't know how to feel about it when it yeah. ended i was kind of like i don't like it but i like it yeah because you know i, I don't want him to die and yeah. like did it do justice of how wolverine dies did it not um yeah let me ask you a question Marvel, let's say they bring back Wolverine relatively soon. Do you want Hugh Jackman back or no? No. I mean, for me, I want him back, but you can't do that. I, I wrestled with it you before. You have to start over, right? Yeah, you have to start over. I think I think they can. Uh, part of it is I think they can do a, a just as good. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Fan theories and fan wants, right? The internet is... Uh, just too loud of a voice. Yes. Two people that I've heard, and they're total opposites, right? Henry Cavill as Wolverine, Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine. (laughs) 
Either oh or, <laughs> close, or, or just no cigar. Oh, uh, I, I, are you put, telling me to choose which one? Or, or just what are your thoughts? Would, oh, either neither. Neither, yeah. for sure. I mean, Henry Cavill, definitely no. Yeah. Um, just because I think he's an amazing Superman. I think he should just keep going yeah, on that train. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, th- like, I don't see anybody else playing Superman right now. Just And, and he has that grit, too, that Superman needs. Um, Daniel Radcliffe, I mean, I see the dark side, like the theatrical kind of more moodiness to it. Um, he's, he's Harry Potter. He I, yeah, be, yeah but, but I saw his other films kind of like he wants yeah. to go that yeah. route. You know, yeah, I don't see him bulking up. I, I think um, he, uh, Wolverine can be shorter, though, than Hugh Jackman. Yeah. So. You know, the uh, names that were tossed around in the past before uh, they even like, you know, hit upon Hugh Jackman. Russell Crowe, Tom Hardy, both would have been amazing Wolverines, right? Well, maybe no. not. Uh, Russell Crowe is an older one. I think yeah. he's past his prime. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, his this prime, is but, back in the day. Oh. Yeah. But Tom Hardy for sure, even now. Yeah. I think Tom Hardy would be an amazing choice. I think it would be a little too, like, pop culture He's already Venom, you know? Yeah, well, that too, and he's, he's just... Can we just bury that series, by the way? <laughs> Venom was... All right. Uh, same thing. Come Sony on. just needs to go. Like anything, any studios not associated with Marvel right. just needs Although to give it up. But 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 Sony's uh, Spider Verse, incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there, 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 there would be no multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange without that Spider Man movie. There would be no Flash multiverse. With oh wait 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 which which Sony Spider Man? Oh, uh, uh, Spider Man. Uh, oh, into the into Spider-verse? the multiverse. Yeah. Is it Spider Verse? Oh yes yes yes. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. That's the one thing they, they did they did right since Spider-Man 2. Yes. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, that was a, quite a bit of a tangent here. So you <laughs> went with your number four. My yeah. number four is the original Batman movie. I think it came out in 90 or 91. I remember watching it three times in the theater because I was blown away. Because up until this point, I would have to say this movie kicked off the modern day uh, superhero genre because up until this point, all we had was Adam West and Burt Ward wearing <laughs> spandex tights, dancing around. And those uh, damn TV. eyebrows. Yeah. Who, why are there, and they look like they were drawn in chalk. <laughs> Batman had chalk-drawn eyebrows on yeah, his cowl. Just, that did not make any sense. No. But uh, this blew my mind. I'm like, holy cow, this yes. is Batman in real life. Yes. And... Uh, I couldn't get over it. It was it was amazing. Even the casting, Michael Keaton, like an everyman, you would never suspect this guy was Batman, and uh, he, he has this dark side though, this quality about him, right? Uh, Kim ba- Kim Basinger, Jack Nicholson, all these characters, phenomenal movie, loved it to death. Nicholson, by the way, still is close. I would say he's right up there. So if you have the pantheon of greatest comic book villains of all time, Heath Ledger would of course probably be at the top. You mean as jo- as Joker? No, just comic book comic oh, oh, films. Period, oh. right? But I would I would even put like Nicholson's uh, Joker above like Thanos or uh, all these other characters because he was just mm. so damn good. Yeah, we'll get to that. But Ooh, okay, yeah. All right, so that's my number four. What is your number three? Number three. Well, we'll get to that right now. Oh. Avengers Endgame. Ooh, okay. Uh, one of the so that, gra- that's my number three. So I think we're gonna. Oh yeah, let's go. About it. Um, one of the greatest movie theater experiences of my life. Yeah, I just remember just just cheering on with the crowd. You know what I mean of, of the moviegoers. Um, I don't remember an experience like that. You know, and then they made tri- time travel work. Yeah, th- which I was like, I was literally as I was watching it, kind of um, 
Like, are they yeah. really going to do this? Like, could it be bad? And then, yeah, the they did it. The trick is they made time travel work, but uh, after a ton of movies that dealt with alternate realities, mm. uh, they introduced the idea of like a, like a time travel GPS. So they were very well aware of what the um, typical audience member knew about time travel. Right. And also what their expectations were with like alternate realities. It, that's the genius. Yeah, yeah they they knew those. they were self aware of the characters and what they were ca- yeah. capable yeah. of. Yeah, and they even talked about it like this ain't Back to the Future. This ain't this yeah. and that. This ain't you know? Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. So for me, the reason why it's so great is uh, there was a massive amount of of expectations, and I think we have both lived through that in our life. Um, what comes to mind? The Matrix. Two and three, compared to the first one, just not not up to par. Not even close. Yeah. Lost season one, one of the best seasons <laughs> of television in history, and at the end you're just like, what the hell just happened, <laughs> right? Uh, they somehow managed to take like what I don't know how many films, twenty one films, twenty one films, something, something crazy like, like that, that. Yeah. yeah, and give it a proper ending. They focused on the characters and what they were thinking and feeling. Uh, there were callbacks to movies that were released way at the beginning. Like, you know, when Robert Downey Jr. says, I am Iron Man, that's a callback to the first film. Yes. So good. Um, and they also, like, in every scene, even when you're laughing, you're realizing um, that in this laughter, you're realizing that you're seeing how much these characters have grown. For example, remember when Captain America fights himself? And he was like, yeah, I get it. That is you're, America's You're not going to give up. What? Yeah. That, that is that America. Great too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's basically saying like, yo, man, who you were, I'm not that guy anymore. We, we've all grown as characters. Yeah. They see themselves. Yeah. And they, you know yeah. that, okay, I've grown from this. Yeah. The dialogue, everything. Amazing. Yeah. I, th- we should do like a, a top list of greatest um, comic book moment, like moments. Film moments. Okay. That I and Iron Man. Ooh. Yeah. Man. That changed. Yeah, yeah that changed everything. everything. Yeah. All right, so that was our number three. What is your number two? Uh, I didn't say much earlier when you mentioned this movie, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh, okay. It was like watching The Matrix for the first time. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. I was sitting there. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it in my home. And I was like, like five different times, I remember turning to my wife and saying, I've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. It's a comic strip coming to life. Yeah. They have what was called the Ditko Dots. I don't, whatever dots. it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just like, this is amazing. Like animation, I've never seen anything like this. Um, you know, Spider-Man, obviously, I've never seen anything like this. I felt the characters and how the multiverse can work together uh, for, for the future Marvel movies. Yeah. And I think that was just genius. Um, I, I just felt like this movie was literally genius. They set the blueprint to show that, okay, oh, this could work. Yeah. And it was bold, and the type of animation they used was something that we never seen before. Um, even the music and just the character Miles Morales, oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, the music. Oh, I, I just think this was like, this was one of the like perfect films. Yeah. For me. All right, my number two is uh, the original Superman. This is the uh, Richard Donner version that was released in 1978. So I have to say that in every Superman movie since, there has still not been one film that has handled the character better than this mm-hmm. there is an inherent problem with making a superman movie meaning yes. he has no flaws i mean even like the original superman writers the they had to invent kryptonite because he was too strong right he's boring too yeah a little boring because he's too uh, aw shucks 
all American, uh, you know, compared to Batman, who is a, a vigilante. Yeah. You have a guy that's perfect, that is, uh, you know, a truth, justice in the American way, has no flaws and no weaknesses, gets boring pretty quick. But somehow this movie was able to tackle everything that Superman was about. So there's a lot of things that really elevate this movie. First off, Marlon Brando, and uh, he made a killing on this film Ooh. just based off of screen time. He Ooh. made millions on this movie for barely being in it. But he brought the perfect amount of gravitas to, to this film, I would say. Mario Puzo, uh, the writer of The Godfather, uh, had a hand in writing the script, right? And uh, it's epic, right? Uh, and then they, they go after the entire Jesus Christ metaphor, like full bore, you know? The, the whole idea of you know, someone's son coming down to be the savior of this world, and this this uh, savior has powers, and he's there to do special things, right? Snyder, Snyder did that too. Snyder did it, yeah. But this movie introduced it, yes, right, yes. Um, and OG, so, OG. yeah, and you get all that, and then there's this whole thing about uh, uh, you know Christopher Reeve as Superman being told uh, by Marlon Brando, you cannot interfere with human affairs, but that's kind of where he's vulnerable in that uh, he, even though he's he's uh, so strong and can do so many amazing things, he still feels like a human being and he has the power to literally turn back time and he's told not to do it. But this is where he experience, he expresses the human side of himself in that he doesn't do what he was told to do to save the love of his life. He literally flies around the world to turn back time and you know the way that it's shown in the movie, it's super campy and and looks stupid. I would have to say, <laughs> but because you're so in the moment and you're so with the characters and and you know what the what the stakes are as as a character, as a human, or not as a human, but as a it's, a, it's as a believable. Person. It's believable. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, honestly, I'm not a fan of Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Just just not. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this movie is great. I can go on and on. There is some of the to this day, even I would say some of the best edited scenes in movie history. Oof. And I, I would have to say, like, right up there with the Indiana Jones um, ball rolling down the hill scene uh, is the scene where Superman makes himself known and uh, rescues Lois out of the helicopter. The cuts in that scene, flawless. Mm. Perfect. And yeah. this is a 1970s movie. Yeah. I, yeah. I can go on and on. Yeah. I mean, that's the greatness. It's, it's 1970s yeah. Yeah. movie. It's, it's just the technical yeah. achievements yeah. that it did. And it was trying to te- tackle too yeah. of a man flying. Yeah, the yeah. John Williams score oh, is great. John Williams, and e- even before we even see Christopher Reeve, the scenes of Clark and his mother in the cornfields of Smallville saying, "I, I have to go," and she's like, "I know, I- I've always known." This is right after um, you know, uh, you know, Daddy Kent died, and uh, it's like tear jerking and, and like just the way they shot it with the Williams music, incredible. All right, so I think there's going to be some overlap here. Yeah, uh, I think ones. I think we're uh, even with Will here. I think it was going to be a unanimous, yeah. and everybody says it in three, two, one. The Dark, the Dark Knight. Knight. <laughs> At this point, I think we're going to have to remove it from any list because, <laughs> like, I, I, as our listeners, uh, you know, fully know, this is my number two uh, best film of all time. Mm. I don't like every frame of this damn film. <laughs> yeah. If you're good at something, never do it for free. Yeah. It's it's at the start of our show. You hear it every <laughs> yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, there's nothing to say. I think I think this is a perfect film. It yeah, I was saying earlier like how great like these films are. Like Logan, when I was talking about how you, you don't feel like you're watching a superhero movie yeah. or comic book movie. This this is just that whole 
thriller, crime drama of a thing. And yeah. then and then you built on, you know, Batman, this this history of and then and then you add the for me, the, the greatest villain in terms of comic books, yeah. not films, uh comic books of a villain of all time, Joker. The the backstory, the depth. He just shows up and he's just menacing. And um, credit to Heath Ledger. By the way, I have to always come back to this. Everyone talks about how great a Morgan Freeman voiceover is. I think people forget Morgan Freeman narrates a fight scene in this <laughs> freaking movie. <laughs> ah, I remember young Alan, Andy Dufresne. He's like, there are, there are enemies in the East Corridor. Be careful. So good. So oh, good. So good. Uh, I'm going to just say, I'll say a bunch of phrases. Like anytime I start talking about this movie, I stop being able to say sentences and I just start, I just start gushing. Um, more crime saga than crime movie. Mm. They took it so seriously. Any other movie that tried to take a comic book movie seriously after this failed. I have to go towards uh, Mark Webb's uh, Spider-Man series. They tried to take it really dark and serious. And I did appreciate that, but just it, it didn't work yeah. I think, for that type of film. Um, I mean, Spider-Man wasn't dark. No. That's the yeah, he never problem. Was. Yeah. yeah. Ledger. Period. Period. Done. Done. The big rig. Flipping end over end. The, just, just the big rig. Yeah. You literally jaw dropped. Yeah. Batman's choice. When he chooses to save um, Rachel over uh, Harvey Dent. Oh, you, and then you, the you Joker just screws with him and tells him the lies to him. And he ends up saving the wrong person. You feel it in his voice. Yeah. Like, like I'm going to go, like, you know, Gordon asks him, who are you going? And I was like, Rachel. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, you know. Rachel. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> We're just going to go off ad lib. And then at the end, becoming a martyr. I did those things. <laughs> I did it. I'm the hero. I just love his. I kind of love his lisp too. Yeah, <laughs> you know he has a lisp. Even the scenes where we have no idea what uh, uh, Gary Oldman is saying, because like, unless he had captions, they're just like, "What? What did he say?" And he's saying these elaborate like dialogues yeah. to his son at the end. Yeah. you know, literally, yeah. he's talking to his son yeah. at the end. He's not the hero. Yeah, we deserved the win that we need. I, just I want, did those things. The son turns I to dad him. and be like, "Call what? it in." Oh, it's so good. Let's it's talk so like good. this the rest of the day. And this, this movie was long. Yeah. It was a long movie, yeah. but they still did it. And yeah, that's what I mean, like long films. Um, this movie probably could have been even darker. I actually, the only, only thing. Come like, on, this could not have been any darker. Oh, a, a Two-Face just because I wanted more of, of Two-Face. I wanted more of Two-Face. Okay, Two-Face's two face was rated R. <laughs> His face was exposed. I don't know how they got a PG-13 rating in this. Amazing how yeah. they did that. Yeah. Amazing. Two Face looks so good. Yeah. I just wanted more from him. I, it, it, yeah, that last, the third act, I just wanted it to go longer just because of Two Face, not because of Joker or Batman. Yeah. 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 All right. That was our list of top five comic book movies of all time. As you guys are probably well able to ascertain, is that this was a very hard list to come by for the both of us. Will. We want you back, buddy. We miss you. So uh, next week, we hope. Miss you. Yeah, we hope to have you back soon. That was our episode. We will be back next week. Until then, we just want to remind you that it's not so much the destination, but the things that you watch and experience along the way. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys soon.